No. Of course your health is serious. The reason I did this was to make people take the right thing seriously and give you tools to see what you know isn't going to help you. A lot of people stand to profit off you taking the wrong things really seriously. So I'm just trying to cut through those narratives. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the show. Last week, I was not here, and a few things happened between now and the last episode. So the first thing that's very exciting is I have started to get sponsorship offers, which is very exciting. I got two. I don't really align with either of the companies, and they're not things I've used before. So I did turn them down, but that's really exciting. That's a big benchmark for the show. So thank you all for, again, sharing, commenting, rating it. It's it's so helpful. On top of that, some big news. I got engaged. So I typically record during the week and then I will edit the podcast on weekends. I actually planned to record the podcast with said fiance on the weekend and we ended up getting engaged. So I spent that weekend celebrating. I apologize for missing an episode, but I'm really excited and it's crazy. It's crazy to look at this giant freaking rock on my finger and be so excited about it. That's awesome. Thank you guys for coming back this week and we're right back on track to weekly episodes. This week, rather than doing a one set topic type episode, I thought that I would go through and answer some of the questions from previous Instagram Q&As, versions of questions that I tend to see a lot, things like that. I have a few questions in front of me and I don't have the answers right now or anything like that, but I wanted to just go through these questions, answer them, give you guys my opinion on this, and we'll just dive right in. So let's get going. First question I have, I don't want to get bulky. I know, I know, but I'm dealing with some body image issues. How can I get stronger without putting on unwanted muscle? Okay, let's imagine that you got your license at 16, right? And you drove for like a year and you're driving and you have your license and that's great. And all of a sudden you're accidentally a NASCAR driver. That's sort of what you're thinking is going to happen. And I know that sounds a little condescending, but please let me explain. You as a natural born woman, you're not going to bulk up. That's really unfortunately not how it works. So, or fortunately for you. So the good thing for you here is that strength is not based on muscle. It's neural. All that means is that big muscles don't equate to being strong and small muscles don't equate to being weak. It sounds like you want to start lifting weights. It sounds like you're just afraid that you'll accidentally put on too much mass. And I don't want to invalidate that because that's valid. Like you're allowed to look however you want. So it's not wrong to say that, but luckily strength is a neural adaptation. So it's central nervous system based, and it's going to come from adaptations that happen, not due to your muscle size. If you kind of want to know what I'm talking about, go look up the lightest weight classes, especially in like Chinese lifters. They start so, so young that they kind of develop through the weightlifting system. And a lot of them stay relatively light and they're really small. Like you would walk past them in a grocery store in the lightest weight classes and you would never know that these people are some of like the strongest, most athletic people on the planet. Look that up and you'll kind of start to see that, yeah, these people are throwing hundreds and hundreds of pounds over their head, but they're 
like 120 pounds. How is that possible? And it's possible because their goal and their sort of objective within their training is not to put on muscle. It's to get as strong as possible. And those are different. So if you need a more relatable example, when I was the strongest I've been in my life, I had less muscle mass than I do right now. Now I would say I probably squat close to 30 to 40 pounds less than I used to. And I have more muscle mass now than I did when I was training three or four hours a day because I was purely training for strength. That's what I was competing in. If you've seen me, I'm not exactly the Hulk now. And the biggest kicker of it all is I tried to be, I tried to get more muscular. I'm a natural athlete, so I have never been on gear or anything like that because of the amount I was training and how fatigued my central nervous system was because I was training for strength. I wasn't recovering enough to put on any muscle. So now that I'm training a lot less, I actually can put on muscle mass a little bit more easily because I can get that recovery and my training sessions don't have to be as intense to keep those strength levels. This is always the response I get is, well, Heather, I've seen both up women. Like I've seen it. Like I know it can happen. And here's the thing. The women that do bulk up with their natural hormone levels, they did not get there by accident. <laughs> I'm talking near perfection in training and recovery and diet and all of it. The women that get quote unquote bulky naturally did not step into a gym and it just sort of happened. And the way this question is phrased, it does sound like you're newer to going to the gym, which is awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing that, but take some comfort in knowing that the women that you don't want to look like worked for years and years to achieve that. They actually took out the women's bodybuilding category within stage competing. If you don't know, that is kind of the most muscular, the biggest, the most developed, the most muscle mass in competition, it's like bikini and wellness. And it kind of goes up and up and up. And bodybuilding is the top level of amount of muscle mass. They removed that category. And the reason that they removed it is because women really couldn't achieve or compete with the people or the other women that were on gear because they could not naturally get as big. So everybody was on steroids and they took the category out knowing that these women were all sort of on drugs in order to have a spot on that stage. And if you didn't want to take drugs, you were never going to make a top level category because there were a lot of clean federations and all of these things. They removed it because they knew that that's not naturally how a woman develops. So get some weight in your hands, get on a strength, not a hypertrophy program, a strength program. And I promise you're not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger by accident and like wake up Jack. Start slow, get a coach that knows what they're talking about. And I promise you, you're going to be fine. Next one, is the one gram of protein per pound of body weight a good rule of thumb? Yes, overall, I think that's totally fine. It's a great place to start. Few exceptions. If you're working out, I would maybe start closer to like 1.2 per pound of body weight, just because I think that it's closer to what I generally end up doing with clients anyway, if they are resistance training. That being said, the few exceptions of this are if you are extremely small or you are very overweight, you will likely have to adjust that a little. So if you are like a 98 pound female, I would probably still have that person on upwards of hundred grams, not by a ton. Or if someone is close to maybe like something on the higher end, we're going to see much less. So say we have a 300 pound individual and according to their height, it makes sense for them to maybe lose like 50 pounds. I would maybe start them on just over 200, things like that. You can also adjust as needed. Most people starting with one gram per pound of body weight is pretty challenging. So once you get there, then you can start adjusting and see how you feel. Number three, if I can't buy organic due to financial reasons, will I never get as good of results? 
results? This is an awesome question. Buying organic is sort of the equivalent of the ninth hour of sleep. It's great. It's going to prevent certain things from entering your body, especially the dirty dozen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. It's basically the fruits and vegetables that don't have a peel or something that is sheltering them from the pesticides that may be being used in the farming situation. So like if you can buy strawberries organic, awesome. But if you can only buy one thing organic and you're in between bananas and strawberries, strawberries would be the better thing to buy organic. Kind of think of it that way. How close would something being sprayed on this fruit get to the part that you eat? That's a good way to kind of gauge it. If you cannot afford to buy organic at all, you should definitely not just give up. There's this weird fitness industry standard that if you can't afford to buy like grass-fed unicorn every single week that you're never going to get any results. And that's just absolute bullshit. That's not true. Here's the thing. If you can do your best with the budget you have and whatever situation you're in, that's good enough. I'm not talking you have excuses. I'm talking you're doing your actual best. It's always going to be good enough. If you have to buy the regular strawberries instead of the organic, so be it. It's not the end of the world. There's always going to be a step more that you can do in almost everything. But we have to be realistic, right? A lot of us have families. A lot of us have jobs. Some of us live paycheck to paycheck. That's not something that I think is worth really stressing over. However, if you're finding that you're like, you're going out and you're drinking and it's a $300 tab and you're going and doing this, that, or the other thing, like, yes, then maybe I would consider cutting on those other things to buy better quality food. However, this is also has to do with your priorities. If really healthy, organic, grass-fed, everything matters to you a lot, you'll sort of make it matter within your budget. However, there's a certain point where your budget, it doesn't really matter what your priority is with it. You're already kind of at that limit. So assess where your actual priorities are and where your money is going. And then you can decide how much you want to buy organically, maybe none at all. What can we do instead of buying organic? Does organic mean that we'll buy less produce throughout the week? If so, maybe we want to buy less organic so that we have more fresh food that we can consume. The overall short answer is no, you're not going to see massively different results, especially aesthetically from buying organic. It's just something that you're taking to the next step to do a little bit better. Number four, how do I not lose muscle if I want to do a pretty intense cut? So with pretty much anything in the body, and I've said this before, if you can think of everything in caveman terms, it it really answers a lot of your questions about health and fitness. Think about muscle, right? Muscle is necessary to create force, to support activity, to support hunting, to support gathering, to support things like that. You have to run from a tiger. Are you going to be able to do it? Do you have the endurance to do that? If you have to lift a log up to build a shelter for your family in caveman times, can you lift it up? The way muscle works is use it or lose it and support it or lose it. Say you are the caveman matriarch, right? So you're really just picking berries all day and you're taking care of the kids and you're doing the housework. You are not going to require nearly as much muscle. So your body wouldn't really produce that muscle and you also really wouldn't maintain it. If you are running from saber-toothed tigers, you are going out and killing things with your hands and you are having to bring it back to wherever you live with your hands. You're going to have a lot more muscle because it supports the thing you're doing. In modern terms, If you are resistance training regularly, if you are putting in that effort, if you are putting in the reps, if you are making sure that the things you are doing are continuous and consistent, your body is going to maintain and build muscle. The other end of that is you have to support it. 
if you are continuing to use the muscle, but you're in a massive deficit, what is going to happen is your body can only support muscle for so long in a deep deficit. Muscle costs, quote unquote, the body a lot more than fat to maintain. So if you have a pound of muscle, it might take you 100 calories to maintain that pound of muscle. If you have a pound of fat, that pound of fat really only takes like 50 calories to maintain. And those are made up numbers, but you get my point. So if we're not supporting that, we're unfortunately going to lose that muscle mass. Muscle is use it or lose it. But in the general sense, if you are using it, but you're not supporting it and your diet is way too low, if you're telling me it's a really intense cut, I'm assuming that might be what you mean. Your protein intake and continuing to use the musculature that you are worried about losing, two number one things you can do. And realistically, the two biggest things that are gonna matter to you. If you go too deep into a deficit, it's not going to do much for you anyway. You have to support the amount of mass you have. So if you really cut it low, what's going to happen is your body's going to stop really caring that it's muscle or it's fat or it's whatever. It's going to just burn through because you're not intaking enough to keep it there. My recommendation is if you're in way more than like a 20% deficit, I would maybe reconsider. And otherwise, I would just make sure your protein intake is absolutely on point along with your training. Number five, are you eating more now that you aren't competing? Have you gained a lot of weight since not having to stay in your weight class? This is a good question too. I really like this. So no, I am not eating more now that I am not competing. And I have not gained a lot of weight now that I am not fitting into my weight class. Sort of what I said before, when I was competing, I was training multiple hours a day with really heavy weight and really fatiguing myself. To support that, I had to eat a lot more. I also was carrying a lot of inflammation because it's very hard to recover from training like that when you are trying to fit into a weight class. So for reference, my weight class was, I believe, 137 in pounds, something like that. I was walking around at like 140 to 143-ish. That's because that's the lowest I could walk around and train heavy. And then I would do a water cut and I would lose the rest of the weight. When I was training in that way, I sort of needed that amount of food or I wasn't going to get through a session. Now that I am not doing that, I am sitting way below my weight class weight. So I think I weigh about like 130-ish, maybe even a little bit less now. My training, though, is not nearly as demanding. So I can get away with eating a little bit less. I'm not nearly as hungry. My workouts still feel fine. I still feel like I can get through my day. I feel way more energized and not foggy and things like that now than I did when I was putting my body through that. This is kind of the great overall point is that sport is not health and it never was meant to be health. My objective was to get as strong as possible before I stepped on stage. That was it. The weight on the barbell was the only metric I truly cared about aside from making weight. It was not for aesthetics. I was puffy all the time. I was really inflamed. I was bloated. I like my skin was terrible. Like my jawline was always puffy. That's just sort of what I did to get there. Was it the best decision? Would I recommend that? No, of course not. But I did what I had to do to compete at the level I wanted to compete at. Now, that would be ridiculous. There's no reason for me to be absolutely killing myself or having to eat extra just so I know I can get through my squats. Now I eat according to my hunger. And if I'm not moving nearly as much, my hunger is going to go way down. No, I am not weighing way more or eating way more now that I don't have to be in a weight class. It's actually quite the opposite because I no longer have to support what it takes to compete. All right. So number six. Okay. No bullshit. What is the best way to add muscle and get lean on a deadline? I only have about three months and I don't care if it's not sustainable. It's not a long-term plan. I just want to get jacked for this and then I will figure it out after. Um, 
I'd say steroids. No, I'm fucking with you. Don't go out and do steroids, but I'm also not kidding. (laughs) So it's the real answer because that's why people do steroids is so that they can get really jacked and really lean at the same time, because that's not naturally how your body operates. If that was naturally how your body operated, no one would need to do steroids. So steroids, especially the most common ones, they're going to basically maintain your muscle mass while allowing you to burn through fat and gain strength and gain size and all of these things that can't typically be done at the same time without an anabolic agent. There's no way to naturally get jacked and super lean in three months. And that's not even like I'm just saying in a healthy way, like there's really no way to do that without being on gear. Building a muscle base, especially that for most people is going to take years, especially like you're kind of saying like the jacked word. And to me, that says like, It's a very impressive amount of muscle. And to do that, I mean, that can take some people five to 10 years. So, and then once you build that muscle base, you then have to cut down to reveal what you've built. So that can only take like three or four months if you already have the musculature that you're looking for. But that also is going to depend on your current body fat. So if you are currently at a very high body fat percentage, Obviously, it's going to take more time and possibly more fat loss and maintenance phases to cut down that weight. But the building muscle portion of it, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you with what you're looking for. My best advice would be to eat right around maintenance and really put the work in with the weights and really get into the gym and really try to make everything foundationally the best it can be for three months. And that's kind of the closest you're going to get to either. So unless you already have like a lot of weight to lose or something like that, you could maybe focus on a fat loss phase only. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the answer for you. But trend is a great option if you are looking for a bunch of side effects and long term things that are going to stick around even after these three months. Okay, this one, lots of bulking and cutting questions in here. So I want to bulk and I'm not sure how many extra calories I should be eating. Eating way more makes me super sluggish. Okay, so a bulk is typically what people do when they want to put on muscle and they eat more than normal and they train resistance style with weights and they will put on muscle in that time period. The problem I see with bulking is that a lot of people bulk and they assume that to put on muscle, they need to eat 500, 1,000, 1,500 extra calories per day. And if you're looking to go a bit faster with the caveat that you will gain a significant amount of body fat doing it that way, that's totally cool. Some people do really extreme bulks and then they just cut down after. I don't necessarily promote that because I don't think that's the best way to do it unless you're doing something really specific at a really high level. But even still, it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially for the average person. So what I do when I am working with somebody that wants to bulk, I don't put them on, you know, a 20% increase right away. Like we start small and we see how you respond. I ideally like to see about a pound of gain every like two weeks. So think about that. If the person is looking to stay relatively around the same body fat percentage, you are not going to put on muscle without putting on any body fat whatsoever. Anyway, that's just not how it works. However, you can minimize that fat gain if your protein is on point, your training is on point, and you do it very slow and sustainably. Slow and sustainable is like the antichrist to a lot of people. They don't like hearing that. You can kind of go, okay, I want to go faster and know that you are not going to be nearly as lean as you are now, or you can go much slower. Start by adding out like 200 calories. 
Don't go and add 1500 calories a day. That's ridiculous. Think about how much mass 1500 calories can support. Some of my smaller clients, like they only eat slightly more than that in their whole day. And that's supporting a whole human. Kind of be a little bit cautious with the giant increases. And I know you see them on Instagram and stuff. But remember, a lot of those people are on gear and it's their job to show you. It's their job to show you how jacked they are. It's their job to sell you shit and tell you that's what makes them jacked. When in reality, they have a needle in their butt. And I think that kind of standard has made normal people who maybe don't want to do that really uncomfortable with their own results. And you should be comfortable with your results as long as you are giving 100%. Don't give 50% and then be pissed that you didn't get the results. But if you are actually putting that work in, don't be upset because you don't look like some dude on the internet with a spray tan. Like that's ridiculous. So be easy on yourself. Go slow. You'll be just fine. All right. Number eight. I really have the basics down. I work out three to five times a week. I sleep well. I stay hydrated. I hit my macros. Nobody is perfect, but I would say that I'm about 95% on all of these things. Well, it's really good. The only thing is, ooh, here it comes. I'm having anywhere from two to five drinks most nights per week. Does this matter or can I get away with it and still see the results I'm looking for? I would say that depends on what results you're looking for. Unfortunately, alcohol is really not the best for any sort of goal. There's no real way of getting around that. There's no having a few drinks if you're trying to compete at a super high level in any performance sport. And there's really no room for it if you're in an aesthetic style sport because you're taking away calories from eating something real that's going to actually satiate you and putting them towards something else. So you're just going to be way hungrier. And it has all sort of implications as far as building muscle, as far as maintaining strength. And so most of the time, This is not going to be something that's realistic for somebody that's looking to be on the higher end of any sort of goal. However, the other thing that I'm thinking here is you're telling me that your sleep is great and your hydration is great and all of that. But unfortunately, it really can't be. If you are drinking relatively moderate to heavily almost every night, your sleep is going to be the biggest thing that's impacted your sleep is going to be about 50% quality if you are feeling it, you go to bed, you're not going to get that same type of sleep that you would if you went to bed sober. And this comes up with a bunch of things. So, so many people ask me about weed. They're like, I I can't sleep. Like I tried weed and I can sleep now. And that sort of trade-off is worth it to some people. Like if you are sleeping an hour and you have insomnia and weed helps you go to sleep, yeah, your sleep isn't going to be quite as high quality, but you're sleeping eight hours compared to one. That's worth the trade-off. With alcohol, that unfortunately, Fortunately, isn't usually the case. This also goes for your hydration. If you are consuming a bunch of alcohol, your hydration levels are just going to fluctuate massively and you're going to be up and down and your body's just going to be constantly trying to find homeostasis within hydration. So that's not the best thing either. This is sort of the whole thing with alcohols. It just bleeds into everything you do. So you're not going to feel as good for your next time you work out. You're not going to sleep as well. You're not going to whatever it is. That being said, if you can really control the factors that tend to go along with drinking. So if it's, you know, you're not getting the pizza at 2am, you're trying to still get to bed at a reasonable time, you're trying to do whatever, you definitely like can get somewhere while drinking. And I don't want to make it seem like you can't I have plenty of clients that drink all the time. And they are very much aware of the implications, because that's my job is to tell them we kind of decide, okay, this is my goal. My goal is to lose five pounds and feel good each day. If we can do that, 
and you can fit alcohol within your macros and you can do it in a way that's reasonable. You have to take some extra steps, but it can totally be fine for any normal person with normal goals. It just depends if you do want to go and sort of be on the higher level of aesthetics or performance or anything like that. It's going to be very hard to do with alcohol. And that being said, even if you do it well, it's not going to be as good as it could have been. And for me, like that bothers me. For some people, they're okay with that because the trade-off is worth it. The socializing is fine. Just kind of know the implications and understand them and then go from there. And then you have to understand what's realistic to expect from your results. And if you're good with that, that's fine. As long as you're being responsible, you are fine. All right. Number nine, do you struggle with body image at all? (laughs) I work in the fitness industry. Of course I struggle with body image. Um, Yes, I absolutely struggle with body image. I don't nearly as much as I used to. I really like myself and I like my body. And I didn't always feel that way. And I know that doesn't sound great, but it's the truth. I really struggled with it for a really long time. Now, I think it's a little bit different, especially being in the fitness realm as a profession. People very much expect you to look a certain way, act a certain way, and present a certain way. I've never been the most like shredded one out there. I've never been the most shredded nutritionist. I've never been the most shredded gym person. I just, I was never... The person that walked around with a six pack year round. And I don't think I ever will be. And I have only very recently really began to be okay with that. And I think now I'm a lot more okay with it than I've ever been. But I can't say that it never bothers me because that's not the truth, especially when people come to me and they say, you know, this person, like I'm paying them to do this, like look at their six pack, like they clearly know what they're talking about. And then I look at, you know, whatever nutrition plan or whatever they wrote them. I'm like, this is garbage. Like, what is this? I think that it more bothers me now, less in the way of I wish I looked a certain way and more so in the way of would I be more successful within my profession if I looked a certain way? I'm not here saying I'm fat. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying when you are a fitness professional, the expectation and the the audacity, I guess is the best way to say it, of people that tell you that you don't look how they expected you to. People feel a lot more comfortable saying that in the normal world. Like I'm fine. Like it's not like I'm very overweight and I like I have none of the struggles of an actually overweight person and what they can go through in everyday life. Within the fitness industry, there's a crazy amount of I have abs, so you should buy this from me. Obviously, fitness being my profession, I do want to make money. And sometimes I wonder if I was leaner, would I make more money? And the answer is probably yes. (laughs) And that's a hard pill to swallow. But I've also gotten a lot more comfortable as people have reached their goals and as people have given me referrals and as people have given me testimonials, I've also gotten very excited about the fact that so many people think that I'm good at what I do and I don't have to look that way for people to think that. I might not have 100,000 followers on Instagram, but my intelligence makes people want to work with me. And there's a whole level to that that If I did have a six pack, I probably would never know either way. So I'm learning to be comfortable with it. I think everybody struggles with body image. I think people that say that they've never struggled with it or they never do, they never have a bad day with it. I don't, maybe they don't. But I think for most of us, it's very hard to like every part of you all the time. I think the difference is though, it's okay to not love like your cellulite. It's okay to not love certain parts of your body, but it's not okay to let that be a defining factor in your self-worth. That's the difference. There's parts I don't like of me, but I now completely separate my worth from those body parts. 
hopefully that's helpful. All right. Number 10, what ab movement is the best for that six pack look? Okay. So the six pack that I think you're referring to is those front literal six muscles and that's your rectus abdominis. And that's the long muscle that extends vertically in the front of your abdomen. So the best way to get your six pack is to push plates away repeatedly and close the snack cabinet as many reps as possible. If you are working out and you're moving correctly, you're using your core for nearly everything anyways. The problem isn't that you don't have a rectus abdominis. It helps you breathe. It helps you poop. It helps you do all of these things. It's not that you don't have one, right? Everyone has abs because you wouldn't be upright if you didn't. However, most people have to get to a fairly low body fat percentage to reveal that six pack look. And you can add in ab exercises and things like that, but it's not going to spot reduce your core. It's going to make you maybe more defined underneath that fat everyone that has a six pack has revealed it because they have a lack of body fat in that area. So for some people, if you genetically store fat in your stomach, and this goes for males, especially so men tend to have a fat storage pattern that is in the front of their abdomen, kind of where that six pack would be. And women tend to store it in their lower part of their stomach and their hips and their thighs, something like ab definition, if you genetically store your fat there, you are going to have to lose that fat in order to reveal your abs. It's not kind of like all of a sudden, like you flip a switch, and you've lost enough. There are people that have like, quote unquote, toned, oh, people love the word toned, toned stomachs. And like, you still have a little bit of fat on it, but you can see some definition. That's like the midpoint. So you don't have to like lose every ounce of fat to see your abs. But for some people, it may be harder. Some people, they don't really store fat there at all. And they don't even have to be that lean to reveal them. Unfortunately, if you're not a genetic lottery winner, you're probably not just going to like eat whatever the fuck you want and have abs all the time. That's not really common. If you can kind of figure out where you tend to store fat, you can see how realistic it is for you to walk around with six pack. As far as like adding in core exercises, like you totally can and you should train your core occasionally. For most people that are doing an actual fitness regimen, like not like some random like Instagram workout, if you're training and you're using weights and you're moving correctly, you should be using your core in almost everything you do. Don't really have to worry about getting your abs there. They're already there. You just have to reveal them. If you do want bigger, blockier abs, then yes, you should be doing weighted ab exercises. And that's totally cool too. Abs are made by breathing and existing. They're made bigger by working them in the gym with resistance. They're revealed by eating correctly and supporting your intake level. All right. So that is all the questions I have. I would love for all of you to like the health for fitness page on Facebook. It is linked below. If you've donated to my buy me a coffee, you're awesome. And you bought my coffee this morning. So thank you for that. You're amazing. If there's anything you guys want to hear on the show, the best part of it is getting these questions. People will message me after the episode. So shoot me a question. Like I'll probably put it in a later episode. It's super helpful to know what people are asking. I live in a weird little fitness bubble. And sometimes it's easy to forget the questions that people may have about certain topics. So please ask and please let me know what you guys are thinking. What do you want to hear about? You guys have been amazing. This show has grown exponentially exponentially. Like it's so, it's crazy. I'm getting like thousands and thousands of downloads. Like this is nuts. So please, please let me know what you guys want to hear. This has been so much fun. And thank you for giving me some grace on my off week. I will see you guys next week. Bye. 